Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of CoreCentric Conversations on best-in-class e-payables. I'm Kelly Barner, and I'll be your host for this conversation. CoreCentric recently sponsored Ardent Partners' State of ePayables 2022 report, and with so much ground to cover, we wanted to take this opportunity to continue diving into the insights. So to do that, I'm joined today by Dan Andrew, Senior Vice President of Enterprise Sales at CoreCentric. Dan has over three decades' worth of experience in the area where finance and technology meet. He works with some of the country's biggest companies to figure innovative payable solutions that can deliver ROI within the first year. As president and COO of InfoAccess.net, a provider of cloud-based e-invoicing services, which was acquired by CoreCentric in 2016, Dan oversaw the growth of the company to serve more than 16,000 customers in over 50 countries. Prior to his tenure at InfoAccess.net, Dan held the position of Senior Manager of E-Commerce and Financial Systems at the Kroger Company, where he managed all financial systems and developed procure-to-pay matching EDI, EFT, and business reengineering. And if all that wasn't enough, Dan is also a Mensa member and a black belt in the martial arts. So... Dan, welcome to CoreCentric Conversations. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure being here today. And thanks for that gracious and warm introduction. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure which one of these is more intimidating, the Mensa membership or the Black Belt, but we're recording this remotely, so maybe we'll be on the lookout for your, for your Mensa skills, probably not so worried virtually about the Black Belt. I just hope I can add some insightful, intelligent comments. <laughs> Well, we're going to start in this conversation with the elephant in the room. So you and I are sitting down here in late September, and we have to talk about the economy. Uh, It's part of every single conversation that I've had, certainly over the last few months. And I think everyone is doing their best to stay up to date on what the latest news is and attempting to the best of their ability to project what might be coming next. So how are you seeing people and companies' concerns about inflation, the possibility of a looming recession, as well as continued supply chain disruptions, specifically affecting the e-payable space? Well, I'll tell you, Kelly, I'm actually seeing a little bit of a shift out there with the power between the buyer and the supplier. And I'll tell you why. When you go back to Say's laws or the laws of supply and demand for our procurement friends here, What's happening is the suppliers are in greater demand because of the shipping challenges, the disruptions in the supply chain. So the buyers are trying to get those products and services, let's say, from their supplier. And if you are paying your supplier in an average of 11 days compared to someone paying them in three days, e-payables, that AP department is actually becoming more strategic because of all those external factors that are providing the disruption, accounts payable once again is raising itself into a more elevated and valued position. So the e-payables is really having a direct impact to be able to pay the supplier sooner. 
you're able to get those products, which becomes a competitive advantage. Now, that point about leveraging the way we manage e-payables into competitive advantage, that's something that I want to learn more about. So you talked about the differences in terms of payment time and how that can affect relationships and performance. But I imagine that's just one component of what's considered best in class. So what are some other factors that would be included in a best in class e-payables framework? I think when you look at organizations, those that are best in class, and I've had the opportunity to work with many of them, they have a very high straight through processing, STP. What that means is when an invoice comes into their, into their domain, it becomes electronic, it's digitized, it's routed, it's approved. If there are exceptions and you put tolerances within ranges, it'll automatically fall within those ranges, go into your ERP system, integrate the invoice and issue a digital payment. That's all STP with straight through processing. So companies that are in the best in class, you know, 50 to 70% of those invoices are processing through STP. So they, they're able to process electronically. They're not issuing paper checks. They're using third parties. And the majority of them have a hybrid workforce, probably four out of five days, people are working remote. So you have to be able to do all those capabilities in a remote location, which allows your team really to provide more analytics and more value, more reporting, more insight than just data processing. Now, it's interesting because one of procurement's top objectives for a long time, if I'm honest, has been to position themselves and the company as a whole as a customer of choice. And sometimes procurement professionals will ask me, you know, what can we do to build better relationships with suppliers? And from my perspective, it's very simple. Pay them on time. But I'm sure even beyond the timing of payments, there are process and visibility considerations that can really do quite a bit to bolster relationships between a company and their suppliers. What are some other examples of process changes, things that improve the efficiency for everyone that can, well, hopefully positively, but at least avoid negatively impacting relationships between the company and its suppliers? Yeah, that's a good point because the process and visibility is key back to from the supplier perspective. So in addition to providing an electronic payment, how about providing rich remittance? I saw, I know a customer one time, they were getting payments and it was just a lump sum and they had no idea what that was for. So the time they would spend investigating, figuring out how to apply that for cash application was far greater than many of their competitors who were receiving rich remittance. So the rich remittance, the providing major integration, processing electronically, all those are additional values that you can provide in addition to just doing the electronic payment. And, and that really helps the relationship because they're spending all that time. And again, labor is a, is a challenge today. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I know we're going to, we're going to touch on that in a minute. One thing I want to ask you first. So one of the things that I think is so beneficial about reports like this one is that it gives everyone a picture of maybe what their vision should be. What are they trying to move their ePayables program towards? And yet establishing that vision and starting to move the big machine, right, that is AP and procurement and finance in that new direction can be really hard. Are there 
concrete, even short-term steps that you would recommend a company take if they're trying to really start purposefully moving their e-payables towards best in class? I would say, yeah, there's, there's probably three or four things that I would offer for companies to consider. And that would be, number one, you, you want to really build a roadmap first to figure out where you're at so you can figure out what's your blueprint and your plan going forward. So here's, here's a few metrics that surprisingly many companies don't know. Number one, how many invoices are being processed through straight through process? where they're touchless. How many of those? Can you add a percentage or calculate that number in your organization? Number two, how much time and the cost it takes you to process an invoice? A lot of companies don't know that. Here's another metric for you. If 30% of your payments aren't generating some kind of a virtual card rebate, you're leaving money on the table. Mm -hmm. So so put those together when you're looking at your e-payables plan and your goal for best in class, and say, what are those metrics? Where am I at today? And let's create a blueprint and a roadmap on how to get to the target for really best in class. That's a great place to start. And it, it does help to have those concrete metrics because sometimes setting a baseline is really what gives you sort of that burning platform to open people's eyes, not just to existing problems, but also to potential. Like you talked about that example where money is being left on the table. And it doesn't just affect AP. I actually think that's probably the most exciting thing about this opportunity to invest in, mature, improve e-payables is that there's a total company impact. And the, the better the alignment between procurement, between AP, and overall company goals, not only are we going to be more effective, but it moves us towards getting that regard, respect, the ability to influence decisions internally that I know procurement at least has wanted for a really long time. So when we think about overarching business goals and objectives, what are some of the less obvious, bigger picture things that we should be keeping in mind when we think about how we're going to start improving e-payables and what the potential benefits of those changes are? Well, here's a great one to kind of consider, and I'm hearing this quite a bit lately. And that is, first of all, look at your organization and say, where am I having a gap with labor? Because there's, there is a shortage of financial professionals, which we said yeah. earlier, and the labor gap is causing companies to say, I'm willing to spend more money on any type of initiative to overcome that lack of labor. I mean, it seems like there's a labor shortage everywhere. You go it to the does. restaurant, you go to the grocery store. I was at the grocery store last Saturday and I'm trying to order some deli meat and the guy behind the counter goes, you can't have any. And I said, what? <laughs> I go, it's five o'clock on a Saturday. What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, we don't have any workers. And I said, what are you doing? And he oh goes, I'm gosh. sweeping the floors. Sorry. He walked away. So there's a labor shortage in a lot of places, including the financial professionals. So here's what I'm hearing a lot of CFOs say to me. They say, I'm willing to pay to make up for that gap in labor. So if you can provide services, capabilities, improve the straight through processing, digitize those payments, help my remote workforce, four to five days, they don't come into the office. If you can do those things, that is where I'm seeing the business goals are being driven in a different capacity than strictly just looking at, you know, the economics because of the labor impact. So 
I think it's so funny, your experience at the deli. You're probably the first person I've ever met that's actually been shut off at a deli at 5 p.m. on a Saturday. Saturday. (laughs) Um, But I think the thing that's interesting about that is that, I mean, what is it? For the last 20, 30, 40 years, how long have we all been worried that the robots are coming to take our jobs, right? Sort of this big looming, we're, we're worried about it thing. But- when you dig into the details and think about the true potential of digital capabilities, when you think about the true opportunity to bring automation into a system, it's it's not about robots sitting at desks. It's about functionality like what we would see in ePayables and the processes and the efficiency and the access to information that that provides inside and outside of the company that really is sort of the golden opportunity for technology to step in and, and bridge the gap. I think your point about labor shortages is is absolutely spot on. I'm hearing the same thing uh, from yeah. absolutely everywhere. And I have a feeling that's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. And the opportunity is really to provide some of those solutions so the line workers become knowledge workers. They can add so much more value on the analysis. Those best-in-class companies I've seen some of the reports they've created. I'm like, wow, that's how'd you do that? Well, we're not spending time keying invoices anymore. We're doing analysis and reporting, and we found some great observations that the company can take advantage of. And if there's one thing we know for certain, regardless of what your ePayables program looks like, best-in-class companies have best-in-class people, and they leverage them to do best-in-class work. We have to take everyone that we have and put them in the place where they can generate the greatest ROI. So Dan, thank you so much for joining me today to not only share your daily experience, but also talk us through some of the, the macro trends and what companies can do to start moving their e-payables towards best in class. My pleasure, Kelly. Thank you. And thank you as well to everyone who listened in today. Be sure to tune in to our next Core Center conversation for more insight into the topics of importance to spend management professionals. Until next time. Thanks for joining this CoreCentric conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organisation. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.